Hi, this is Sierra Webster, sports reporter at the Daily Emerald, and you're listening to the Emerald Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Emerald Podcast Network's Oregon Women's Basketball Podcast. I am Sierra Webster, sports reporter for the Daily Emerald. I'm here with sports reporter Maggie Venoni. What's up, what's up? And sports editor Sean Meadow. How's it going, guys? It's going great. It is Wednesday, February 13th. We are going to talk about Oregon Women's Basketball. We have a big Civil War weekend matchup this weekend. It's going to be really exciting. But just to catch you up from the last time we talked, Oregon beat Utah, defending the top Pac-12 spot, 87-65, and then beat Colorado in the program's biggest win margin. Um, What was that? 102 to... 43. 43. And then last weekend, the Ducks traveled to the Bay Area to play Cal... Yeah, that Stanford game was insane. I think you have to look at just the multitude that this team, or not the multitude, the magnitude of this win for this team because this team has come in and with a target on its back. And this is a big matchup. It's on national television. ESPN2 broadcast it. Mm -hmm. It's number 11 Stanford. It's number three Oregon. And Stanford's had Oregon's number in the Bay. Since 1987. Yeah. And Oregon finally gets this win, and doesn't just win, it wins by 40. Sabrina Ionescu, the hometown girl, I mean, gets, what was it, 27 points, 9 rebounds, and 8 assists. Mm -hmm. Nearly another triple-double to add to her resume, which is incredible. And I think you go in, and it's against a team coached by a legend in Tara Vanderveer. This is a really, really good program. This is a big game. You know the nerves are, are there for Oregon going into it. And the fact that they blow them out by 40, when you look at the schedule at the start of the year, we were saying these three games, Stanford, Oregon State, Oregon State, any of those three, Oregon can actually, like, could lose mm-hmm. and legitimately could get swept in that situation. But now look at that. Mm-hmm. And you think, well, what's Oregon State going to provide? And Matthew Knight Arena's sold out. Um... I think I think I'm excited for that, but that Stanford game was a bit of everyone playing a big role. And Oregon's able to get in players like Morgan Yeager, who has essentially been this team's ninth player um, out of nine. And she's able to get minutes against Stanford. That's at a big Stanford. Deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's incredible to me because this team's going to need depth when it comes to the tournament. She'll get into a game in the first or second round when Oregon's blowing a team out the way that they were blowing out Colorado. Mm -hmm. But then, when it's later in games, if she's needed, she's had that experience playing under under a big environment like that, that's huge. And this weekend, I think, is going to provide it again with two huge matchups in two sold-out arenas. And I think also, talking about the Stanford game, Stanford comes into that game upsetting Oregon State two nights before in a pretty big game and so they're riding that confidence and then for the ducks to put them down within 40 like a 40 point margin is like not like you're saying not insignificant oh it's i think monumental for the program that one's going to be something that people are going to talk about in the 32 years from now after 32 years of hurt that stanford has brought oregon when the ducks have traveled down to the bay this is 
huge. I think you can't understate. And also Stanford's on a, what was it, 22 game home win streak mm-hmm. going into that. Mm-hmm. Holy cow. It's it's a team that's just playing out of its mind basketball against some of the biggest teams in the country. Yeah. And the fact that to say Oregon's ranked higher than UConn has been just kind of weird mm-hmm. to say it loud. Yeah. I think just I wanted to get that on record right there. But like, it's just crazy because like you know, growing up, UConn's always been that number one for me, or not for me personally, but like for me, well, yeah, knowing the, the um, women's college hoops, and so it's just crazy to think that like Oregon here five years ago, no one knew Oregon, let alone cared about Oregon women's basketball, and now they're number three, two spots above UConn right now. Earlier this week, on um, Monday, the NCAA posted out a like top sixteen reveal for the tournament, and we have we have U. Um, Oregon being a number one seed of UConn being number two seed right now which is crazy to think that times have changed that much yeah so UConn would be a number two seed um, and we have Oregon State uh, the little rivals up north they are actually would be a number three seed too which is crazy um, Sean what do you think about that Um, I th- I don't know what to think of that because this Oregon team was number two last year as a seed UConn obviously a number one and they went on to win whatever four straight national championships so of course they were always up there and they're still always up there and I honestly would if I were to make brackets right now and I made three brackets I'd have at least one of them with UConn winning it all Mm. because they're still a Gino Ariema team and they're still UConn they're still capable of winning all of it Uh, I don't know and then where Oregon State they finished up like in the Pac-12, looking at Pac-12 teams alone, Oregon is number one, of course. But you look at the rest, and Oregon State, they're sitting there as a fourth or three seed, the fourth third seed as a 12th ranked team. I think that's interesting, too, because these two teams match up this weekend. Mm-hmm. This is going to play a huge role when the selection committee decides. Also, to add more drama to it, are you talking Portland. about the Portland Regional? Portland Regional, hosted, hosted by, by Oregon State. State, and the Ducks might be the one that plays <laughs> I there. I know, yeah. That's going to be cool to see the court with a Beaver logo on the end right next to the hoop yeah. when the Ducks are playing on it most likely yeah. as a one seed. And I think that adds like stakes and context to this matchup this weekend because it's not just a Civil War weekend. It's it's about Pac-12 standings. It's about NCAA standing. It's about brackets. It's about State March Madness. Yeah, yeah, is there a bigger in-state rivalry right now in women's college basketball than the Oregon-Oregon State rivalry? Ooh. No. No. This no. is it. This is it because I was looking at the Pac-12 rankings and Oregon's at the top with 12-0. Oregon State is second with 10-2. If Oregon State sweeps the weekend, they're tied in the Pac-12. It's wild. Yeah. It's wild. And I think this game on Friday at Matthew Knight Arena. Sold Oregon, out crowd. Sold out crowd. Oh, the vibes are going to be insane. I mean, today at practice, Audie Gilden was mm-hmm. asked about her first game for the Ducks playing at Matthew Knight Arena, what that felt like. And she said 3,000 people, most of them were kids mm-hmm. who got probably like cheap tickets to get in. And they just walk in and watch this game. No atmosphere. Mm-hmm. And now you've got nearly 10,000 more people mm-hmm. in the span of a four-year period. That's phenomenal. Yeah. I think this team is going to live off of that energy. They love a big game. They love a big atmosphere. I think this is so ideal that they're going to have just such a big feeling. And and uh, what, student tickets sold out apparently, I was told, by Joe Waltassi, the sports information director. I asked him. He said it was Monday or so. Really? And wow. that's 1,500 tickets. And the like record last year, they were trying to break 
for the most students coming to a women's game was 300 because I remember I remember they were like trying to get students out to games. I was all over the their Twitter mm-hmm. account and I was like, yeah, that's actually a really good point. Like this team is the better team, but they still don't get more students. Well, I think the student body at the University of Oregon might have figured that one out. Yeah. They might have finally figured that one out. 1500 student tickets claimed. Sold out. That's absurd. Matthew Knight Arena is going to rock. That's going to be it's going to be and so And then you get loud. Gil. That's oh, like I'm excited this, to watch that This one. old stadium mm-hmm. that you've got crowd basically on the court. It's going to be an atmosphere after an atmosphere after an atmosphere for the Oregon Ducks with Stanford and then the two Oregon State games. And the matchup itself. Whew, yeah. So we talked about the stands. What do you guys think is going to happen on the court? What are your expectations for this matchup? Well, I just said they'd still be a one seed, right? So I'm expecting Oregon to sweep the weekend. Yeah. I think they're just playing so out of their mind basketball right now. Second time I've said that today. But they're playing so well. There's, I feel like what's going to have to happen is obviously Oregon's going to have to shut down some players. I think Slocum's going to be huge for Oregon State. If Oregon mm-hmm. shuts down Slocum, there's definitely going to be a problem for Oregon State. But Oregon has the ability to have different players step up in each game. Any of the starting five can go off for a 30-point-plus night on any given night. We could see that Friday. We can see that Monday from two different players. We can see that from two players in one night. I don't think there's a blowout in this weekend, though. And I think Oregon is going to have to remember that game against Arizona State down to the wire. Free throws were made. Can you do that with 13,000 people in the crowd at Matthew Knight Arena? That might have to be the case on Friday. And I mean, even against that Cal game, they they lost lead ever so briefly in the second quarter. But still, I mean, against a team like, I mean, I feel like we say this a lot, but against a team like Oregon State, you can't have those lapses. Mm -hmm. Um, And Maggie and I were talking also about how every single night that Oregon plays, they play the very best of the Pac-12. Every team brings their best. And that's absolutely going to be true in this Oregon State matchup. The Beavers are going to want it. I think the the more intense game is going to be Monday night. I mean, you're going to have to have a sold-out crowd Friday, and that's going to be insane. That's going to be just the biggest audience maybe both teams ever played in, um, especially on their home courts. But Oregon's got to keep up that – like we are talking about, Oregon's got to keep up their momentum throughout Monday. No matter how – no matter their end score Friday night, remember it's a blow – it's not – like – if it's a blowout, if it's by like two baskets, they have to keep that and play on Monday. And it's not a, they have a couple of days of rest, but it's not a big travel. It's not, you know, a team they know they can easily win. It's going to be OSU again on Monday, but at OSU's home court. And I think it's going to be very different. But that's going to be a much different arena, I think, and a different atmosphere. And Oregon Oregon can't let those you know second quarter mishaps happen again. But I think we also need to talk about, and I mean every every year the team is different, but. In the context and the history of this matchup, last year, Oregon State, Oregon split the weekend. Oregon State won it in the first game in Corvallis in overtime. Oregon wins the second game. Their first win, what is it, in 14 games. So they're in a 14-game losing streak against Oregon State in the series. They win their first one last season, and now they're coming into this game And all of that context is still there. Yeah, there's still this domination that Oregon State has had over Oregon for so long. Mm -hmm. Kelly talked about that today. It's this series and this rivalry, and that was essentially kind of what I brought up, was like this rivalry is the biggest right now. 
but it's not a historical rivalry because one team has dominated it for so long. Right. But there's no Gulich this year. And that's going to be a different post presence for for Oregon State. And Oregon's going to have to deal with a different player coming in the paint. They're much more of a shooting team, Oregon State. They love they love a jump a, a jump shot. They'll hit threes. And these are two of the best three-point shooting teams in the country. Mm-hmm. I think defense is going to be big. And defense was big the for three. them last last year, last season when they had this matchup. Defense was really big for the Ducks. And, I mean, you talked about Des- – uh, Destiny Slocum earlier, Sean, um, but she's you know she's on the the national point guard of the year shortlist with Sabrina Ionescu who won it last year. I think that will be an interesting matchup um, in the in the guard um, outside on the arc. And then I think also another player you have to pay attention to is Michaela Pavek. I think that's how you say her name. Um, she's averaging eight point nine rebounds compared to Ruthie Hebert's nine rebounds, um, and she is one of the top field goal percentage shooting players in the Pac-12. Yeah, this is a, an interesting thinking as well, is how Oregon defends, I think, Slocum specifically. Mm-hmm. Because you've got Maite Casorla, who can lock down a player. But when you have such a good player like Destiny Slocum, you're going to need more than just her to step up. And uh, Graves did talk about that. He said that this team needs to have a full five-player effort on the court to stop her. I think he's exaggerating a little bit. But, yeah, you're going to have to see guards and a forward, probably a guard and a forward probably step up to the, to the plate and make these plays happen for them because this is not going to be an easy test defensively. And offensively, they're going to have to be shooting threes, Oregon, and they're going to have to be shooting threes well. Sabrina Unescu is going to have to have another big game she can, if she has a quiet game scoring wise, someone else is going to have to put up thirty five to forty points. Yeah. But, or you know, everyone else just puts up twenty five and then they win by like twenty. But that's just how Oregon plays. Yeah. I think Aaron Boley replacing Lexi Bando has done so well this season in, in three point shooting at least that that replacement and this team has looked just like it was a puzzle piece that fit. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's so weird to to think about that. But this team is much more the same a similar Oregon team from last year than Oregon State is. And Santi Sabley's only gotten better. Mm-hmm. She's then, shooting lights out. And last year when they, when they, and last year when they played Oregon State, that was the, those were the first two games that Bando was injured and sat out. So in a lot of ways, Oregon is coming into this game. Like they didn't have Bando last year. They had McGuire. And so they're coming in more prepared and with a more similar lineup, like you're saying, than Oregon State. Yeah. Sold out crowd at Matthew Knight Arena on Friday. If you didn't get a ticket, don't worry. Just follow ODE Sports. Sean and I will be there covering it, live tweeting, get you all the information you need. But with that, we'll be done. Thank you for listening to the Oregon Women's Basketball Podcast on the Emerald Podcast Network. To listen to more podcasts, subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts. Also visit dailyemerald.com where we have our cute little sidebar with all the podcasts for you. Goodbye.